0: Open up the Psalm chapter 16, verse 6. Now look, you know you're a mother. Obviously, if you have children, you're a mother. But I want to tell you how you can really know that you're a mother. You ready? This is how you can really know that you're a mother. You're up each night at 10 p.m. and you're hoovering and you're ironing and you're sweeping and you're picking up and you're changing sheets and you're changing nappies and you're paying bills and you're helping with homework and you're folding clothes and you're putting to bed and a thousand other things. And then early, you get up the next day, you don't have time to eat, to go to the bathroom, or even, even sleep. And you still manage to gain ten pounds. <laughs> now you know you're a mother. Alright, so don't resemble that remark now. <laughs> Alright. Anyway, Psalm chapter 16. We're talking about a goodly heritage. Psalm t- chapter 16. David says in verse 6, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. A goodly heritage. And you know, David is just praising the Lord. Just thanking God for all the good things that he has. He said the lines have fallen in pleasant places. That means the fields and what he was given by his parents is good. It was good for him. and, And he's thanking God for that. But he also is thanking God for the... The heritage that he received from his mother and his father also. But you know, we've received so many good things from God. So David's just praising the Lord. I have a goodly heritage. We have a lot of things that have been passed on to us through our mother and father, especially our mother today who we're lifting up. You know, mothers here today have the opportunity to pass on a a goodly and a godly heritage to their children. And that's all a heritage is. is something passed on, that is good. A goodly heritage... Something passed on that is good. And mothers have such an influence in the home and in the family. I'm hoping to get that across to you today. What an influence mothers have in the home. The passing on of a, of a good heritage is what is needed so desperately today. Wouldn't it be wonderful for mothers to pass on good things to their children and change the whole direction of a nation, even like Ireland? How desperate we need Good mothers to pass on good things to their children. And understand that those here today whom the Lord blesses to be mothers, you should take that responsibility seriously. God puts a great responsibility on the mother in the home and raising those children. And you're the ones that are being talked to today and preached at in a sense. And But we want to encourage you. Encourage you to be a good, godly mother and pass that heritage on to your children. Now look. Take note. A godly mother's influence is crucial in the lives of her children. She's passing on something to her children. And a heritage is just not something that to be passed on, but to receive. To be received as a precious honor. We have so many good things that we receive from our parents. I can remember many fond memories of my mother that she passed on to me. So it's something to be received. And, and children here today, they're that aren't in the Sunday school, you ought to realize your mom is passing on something good to you. So many different things that you see in her life she's trying to pass on to you. That's a goodly heritage. It should be something to be desired. And it should be held up as a blessing from the Lord. Children should hold that up and say, Thank you, Mom, for what you did all those years. The love, the care, and the nurture that I received from my mother. That's a goodly heritage. And it blesses the Lord when we praise Him for those things. The godly influence of a mother in her home is almost immeasurable. How do you put a tape measure? How do you measure the influence of a godly mother on her home? That's a good heritage. And many sitting here today could testify of what they saw in their mother and the labor and and all that she put forth trying to keep the family and the home together and raise those children. Look, I can remember many fond memories of my mother. She's been gone for a long time. And as flawed as she was, She was the most beautiful woman in the world. I mean, when you look at your mother and say, she was beautiful. And I can remember all the things that she did for me. And I won't go through that. You have your own memories. But she passed on a goodly heritage to me. And we ought to be thankful for a loving mother. You know, we were at the nursing home yesterday and you met a lot of the mothers that, those that went, met a lot of mothers that maybe their their daughters or or their sons weren't there. They didn't come. Maybe they're going to come there today. I don't know. But there's some that never get a touch, never get a talk to, never get somebody to sit down and, and just be a blessing to them. And I guarantee you, when you did that, when you sat down, Marianne, and talked to somebody, one of those mothers, they were a blessing back to you. What a blessing it is to sit down with them. And they're they're kind of alone. Let's not leave our, our, our mothers alone and, and not uh, spend time with them and Continue to receive all those blessings from them. It, it's sometimes sad when you go to the nursing home. But you know what? Once, once you're there and you're, you're singing and, and you're trying to be a blessing to them, they start to lift up and, and they get the, they get their, uh, their smile back on, you know. And it's good to be with those mothers. They had a lot to, uh, to tell us about and they were just a real blessing. But you know, the question I guess and the challenge I want to give to you this morning is, are you a godly? loving mother, okay? And your intention is on turning your children's hearts to the Lord. Is that what you really want? It's, it's one thing to, to leave a heritage. It's another thing to leave a goodly, godly heritage to our children. So is that your intent this morning, to leave a good heritage to your children? Are you ready to uh, be blessed of God because you've passed on good things to your children? You know, I want to give you five truths about a mother. Just flip over to... Psalm chapter 128. Psalm 128. And in verse 3. Psalm 128 and verse 3. This is in particular. It's talking about a wife. But a wife. This wife is a mother also. It says, "...Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house." And then it says, Thy children like olive plants round about the table. There's that home with mom there and all the children round about the table. And can I just say, women, mothers are fruitful vines. They can be fruitful vines full of love and care and nurturing in the home. That's what they were created for. God created you perfectly suited for the role that you have in the home. Both physically spiritually, and emotionally. The newsflash is that men are not mothers. And women are not fathers. You know, we shouldn't have to say that, but sometimes the world gets things all messed up and flipped on their head. I'm not a good mother. I couldn't be a good mother. And women can't be good fathers. We've each been created with a different kind of nature. And God has created women specifically to be a mother you know, when a child falls down outside, a little Johnny falls down and he's all skinned up and all, the, the father's like, ah, hey, you're okay. Don't worry about it. Come on, get on your way. You'll, you'll be all right. You know? There's no care and nurturing there. But when mom comes out, you know, she's wiping him down and kissing his boo boos and, and, you know, putting a plaster on him. Dad says, you know, put that eye back in. Come on. Get moving. Get. We're different. I can't be a mother. I'm a father. But you mothers, you've been created specifically for that reason. And ladies, don't buy into that worldly feminist message out there. It says you have to be stern and harsh and, and, uh, overly rough, you know. Even a man shouldn't be that way. Now they have women in combat over in the states and some of these other places, some of these other countries. Women in combat. Look, there's no doubt some women can fight. Amen. (laughs) You know any? I'm talking to the fellows now. You know what? But you know what? I don't want my wife sitting there with an AK-47 or an M16 shooting people. That's not her role. Although they're strong. But, uh, you know, women in combat. Hey, Deborah was a judge of Israel. They couldn't find a good man, so they found a good woman. And Deborah was a judge over Israel. I'm not, it's not demeaning to be a woman. And be nurturing and caring and soft, and that's the way a woman should be. You'll miss out on the best part of being a woman and a mother. Look, God knew what He was doing when He created Eve. He didn't make a mistake. She had a different nature than Adam. Adam's over here naming animals. And Eve's over here raising children. You know? So God knew what He was doing. God created you with a different nature than a man. Alright? And you do have a nurturing, caring, encouraging, gentleness. And that's the nature that's inside of you. And in a day of all this negative press about a a mom's God-given role, remember, there's absolutely nothing that compares with the influence of a mother in the home. Nothing. You're there with the children. What is more important for a nation than godly motherhood? Passing on righteousness. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Mothers, don't drop the ball. You have a responsibility to pass on a goodly heritage to your children. We marched in the parade there. That was a week ago. And all those mothers there, and there's a lot of women there. There was a lot of women there pushing to stop uh, the repeal of the Eighth Amendment. And I thought about that just a few days ago. I thought, mothers for abortion. Could there be mothers for abortion? It's almost, how do you say that in the same sentence? Mothers For abortion, righteousness exalteth the nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. It just doesn't make any sense. Look, God created you perfectly suited for the role that you play in the home. Number two, she is like the Holy Spirit in the home. The woman sets the mood. The woman sets the tone and the attitude of the home. She has great influence over the attitude and the temperament in the home. She's like the Spirit of God in our lives. He's not; He doesn't barge in on our life. The Holy Spirit is there speaking to us. Setting the tone. Trying to tell us, walk with God. Obey the Bible. And the mother's in the home being an influence and setting the temperament in the home. But remember this. You all know this. Remember, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You see, you can set the tone. That didn't come out of nowhere. That phrase was picked up because mama is the one that sets the tone and the mood and the attitude and the temperament in the home. Mothers have an, atmos- have an influence over the atmosphere of the home. And that can be for good or bad. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Simple as that. Mothers set the mood. But you know what? It's going to take a submissive walk with God in order for you to show the fruit of the Spirit in your home. You're just not going to be a godly mother unless first and foremost you have a godly walk with God that you are seeking Him every day and that the fruit of the Spirit is in your life before you'll ever see it in your home. How is your walk with God? Because you're not going to influence your home for any good until you've been influenced by God. And you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. It's your own personal walk with God that's going to change the the temperament and the mood and pass on a godly heritage. So I challenge you today. How's your walk with God? How are you showing the fruit of the Spirit in your life, in your home? Mothers are emotional. We know that. They can be easily hurt. And they can be easily grieved. Like the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. You know, when we sin, the Holy Spirit grieves. He's hurt. Why did you choose to do that? And when we, when a mother is hurt, they become grieved very quickly like the Holy Spirit of God. Because they're the weaker vessel. Handle with care. They're fragile. God knows that. And He told us, husbands, all right. Take care of your wives. Be careful with your wife. They're the weaker vessel. Give them honor. But she's strong when she needs to be. She can be unbearable. A mother can be unbearable. Don't mess with mama's kids. Now, now this big bear. He's probably twice the size of mama, but you can forget about it. If he wants to come and get that little cub, he's got to go through mama. So, look, a mother can be absolutely soft and, 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 you know, tender, and, uh, but she can also become unbearable. She'll fight if she has to. Women are dependable. Moms are dependable. You don't always depend upon mom, right? But sometimes they're totally unpredictable. They're like a hurricane. They blow in and blow out. And it's like, Whew you just don't know what to expect. Where'd that come from? I remember coming home this is fifteen years ago or more, coming home from work and Kathy was kinda like a little different than she is now. She was going through that thing, you know? And I thought, Man, I had to walk in with a hockey mask on, you know. I didn't know what was coming. It was like there was two people in that body. It was totally unpredictable. It was like one minute was calm breeze and the next minute the tsunami, Bill. It was like... But that's the way women are. <laughs> yeah. Finally an amen. <laughs> Alright, hang on. <laughs> All the men are sitting very quietly right now. <laughs> Your day's coming. She must yield in the home. And other times, be totally unmovable. (laughs) You cannot move her. And you know what? Praise God for women who hold fast and won't compromise their children to the world. Praise God. Stand up for your children in your home. If you're walking with God, you won't allow for a second any of that stuff into your home. A mother can build up her home just like the Spirit of God does in us. It takes a lot of work. A lot of work. And you know what that phrase, working mother? That is redundant. If you're a mother, you're a worker. Don't let anybody tell you, well, you just sit home all day. Really? Would you like to take care of these three little minions over here? Would you like to take care of them? It's like they have a third hand coming out of their chest. Working mother. But she can pluck her home down with her own hands, too. The Bible tells us. Your influence can be for good or bad. Turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 3. It says, The age of women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Can you imagine God had to tell women to to love their children? To teach young ladies to love their children? Look at the days we live in now. To be discreet, chaste. Here's the part I wanted to talk about. Keepers at home. Good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That's all good stuff. That's all a lot of good advice for, for women. Keepers at home. You know, I almost was going to use the keeper of a prison. But that doesn't sound right. You're not keeping a prison. But like a doorkeeper, he's a watcher. He's a guard at the door. So when you're a keeper at home, you're watching and guarding your home. You're not confined to the home. That would be against the Proverbs 31 woman who's out there doing all kinds of things to make her home better and more fruitful and care for her children. But you are the keepers. Keepers at home. Guardians of the home. I'm not talking about physically you're the one that grabs a hurley stick and hits the robber coming in the door. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you're watching over your children. How's How's things going in the home? Because you're with them. You know the temperament of your home. You know what's going on. You're the keepers at home. You guard and watch the home. You're not confined to the home. Motherhood should not be seen as some unpleasant task. What you're doing is absolutely vital for the next generation. I believe it's actually holding the fabric of society together today. A godly mother who's being a godly mother in a home and trying to pass on a goodly heritage. It is the mother who normally is most aware of the pressing needs of the home. Be a keeper at home. You're a doorkeeper of your home. You're watching over all the things that are happening with the children, with your husband. All the affairs of the home. You've got your hands full. And you're not going to do that without a godly walk with the Lord. She's like the Holy Spirit in the home. Her labor is underrated for sure. Turn to 1 Peter just to the right a couple of books past Hebrews you'll find 1st Peter. Definitely underrated. Her labor is underrated. Now this is talking about the woman winning her husband over without ever beating him over the head with the Bible just by her conversation, the way she lives her life before God can pull her husband over to a to be a godly husband but in verse uh 3 in verse 3 it says who's adorning that means how she adorns herself who's adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great Christ God is looking on the heart. Your labor is underrated. You are influencing and preparing an entire generation of children. And verse 3 says, if she, can, if she can influence her husband to come over and be a godly husband or even get saved, just by her demeanor and her conversation, the way she lives her life, she can certainly influence her children. She can certainly influence her daughters to pay more attention To their spirit than to the makeup that they put on. To look at their daughters and tell them what what honors God is on the inside. They're not going to see that unless you're honoring God by keeping your spirit pure and gentle and uh, before the Lord. See, that's the focus. A mother's focus should be first on what pleases God. What does pleasing what is pleasing to him? That's what I want to influence my children with. The inner man is what makes a woman most beautiful. Because it comes from the inside out. Not something you got to put plaster on to make it look nicer. It comes from in here. And it makes the countenance of a woman beautiful as opposed to the outer. Now look. The outer man, the one is gone in a moment and the other is eternal. The one... Last forever. That's your inner man. Your soul. That's what you should be most concerned about. The outer flesh, it's corrupting. It's nothing to matter with a woman making herself look nice. It's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about when we're more concerned about the outside than the inside. The woman becomes more beautiful as she works on this part. Because that is to God of great price. And the more beautiful this becomes, the more beautiful the woman is. That will impress a husband. A godly woman's countenance comes from inner beauty. And your daughters are going to have to be taught to see that. They're going to have to be taught how to love God. How to love their husbands. How to dress. How to speak. To have manners. They're going to learn that from you. It's the aged women that teach the younger women. Be a godly woman and pass on a goodly heritage. And by the way, the Bible will be important to your children as it is to you. Wouldn't it be nice if they caught you reading your Bible? Wouldn't it be nice when they catch you praying? They say, that's my mom. That's what she does. That's a heritage that you're passing on. And by the way, when you drop the kids off at grandmoms or grandma has to come over and watch the children, she shouldn't have to put a saddle on them kids and break them like a horse. You know, run around like a crazy woman pulling her hair out, trying to keep the kids under control. You see? Because frankly, grandmoms are supposed to have fun with them and, and give them a bunch of sweets and let you deal with it when you come home. We get to, we get to go home. But it's, it's sad to see, you know, the kids are just running wild. No. Teach the children spiritual things. How to behave, proper respect. it's lost today to stand up when a woman enters a room or to open the door for them. You know, you open the door for a woman that's coming through and ten teenagers walk through without even saying a word. We've lost it. Women, you have the influence in your home. How about this? Her faith is powerful and life-changing. Look at Second Timothy, Second Timothy. Chapter one. Your faith. Your personal faith in God is life changing in your home. It's powerful. Second Timothy chapter one and verse three. Paul, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience and without ceasing. I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Talking about Timothy. Greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Why, Paul? When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. Timothy, that faith that you have, I saw that first in your grandmother and your mother. You received that as a goodly heritage. From your mother and your grandmother. Look at chapter 3 and verse 14. Chapter 3 and verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Remember what you learned at the knee of your mother. Remember what you learned from that book that she taught you. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. From a child thou hast known... The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works, that the man of God started at the knee of his mother. And that faith was passed on to young Timothy to the point he got saved. How powerful is that? Paul is blown away by the influence of a mother and a grandmother. The faith that, that, the influence that they had on Timothy. And Paul exhorts Timothy to keep going on in the things that you learned at the knees of your mother and your grandmother. You were saved, you learned right from wrong, and now you're a man of God. That didn't come from his father, came through his mother. You know, Timothy's mother created, as faith created an environment for him to become a Christian. And so can you. You ought to be thinking all the time, I want my children saved. I want my children saved. And I'm going to make sure that the environment's there, that they get saved. You say that, I have them in Sunday school. For one hour in Sunday school? If you're depending on the one hour of Sunday school, you can forget it. Because you have them the other 167 hours of the week. We have them for one hour. It's just a tool in your hand to help. We're just here to help you raise your children. For the hour that you can sit here, they're in there learning about Jesus. But it's certainly not going to be the end all. You are the end all. Number five, her prayer life can be astronomical in its in its reach and its power. You know, sometimes mothers feel Frustrated. Because they're limited in what they can do for their children. But you can always pray. Wow. I don't think anything gets the ear of God. Like a mother on her knees praying for her children. I don't know if you live in a two-story home, but if you did, they're upstairs. You can hear them. Or maybe they don't hear them. Thank God. They're in bed finally and asleep. And here you are down below in your sitting room. Why not just pray? God, take care of those kids. Help me to raise them up to be godly children. Help them someday to be saved, Lord. Pray it right out through the ceiling, right into the ears of God. Lift your children up before God. That prayer reaches right to a throne of grace. Prayer changes things, and it brings God into our home. Mothers, your prayer life, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Can I just say, imagine what God could do with your personal prayer time with your children and for your children. Can you imagine? What's impossible with God? What's impossible with God? Nothing. Nothing. What do you want for your children? It's not impossible. Because nothing's impossible with God. Matthew six six says, uh, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Now some of you just got done watching War Room. Didn't you? Good movie, wasn't it? It was entertaining, but there was a theme there. That this woman went into a closet. And she, she she did some battle with the devil and the flesh and the world around her. And that's where her war room was. And we thought it was a wonderful movie, but did you take anything away from it? Are you in your war room? Not out praying in front of people and putting the show on But when thou prayest, go into thy closet. I mean, do you have a personal prayer time? Are you in your war room for your own children? There's not a mother in here that wouldn't say, I love my children. You'd give your life for your children. Could you give them some time in prayer? Just you and God? Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a great preacher, says, I cannot tell you how much I owe to the solemn word of my good mother. He said, solemn word. It's affectionate, but it's serious. As Eric tells us, it's vital. It's our vital breath. And you can pray for your children anytime. Mm-hmm. I remember my, my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. Abraham Lincoln. Great men have great mothers. <laughs> they probably prayed for them. Take your children aside and pray with them and pray for them. Here's a story of a 12-year-old boy left on the farm with his mother. His mother went to town. I don't think there was any father, but it's a true story. Not some, not some famous person, just a true story about this boy. His mother left him on the farm to do some chores while she went to town. He intended to do the work till his friends came by and called him out to play. Well, his heart sank when his mother's car pulled back in the driveway after being away during the day. And he knew he was in for a good whipping. His mother came in and looked him straight in the eye and said, nothing. She took hold of him because what the boy, what the mother did next, the boy will never forget. She took him by the arm, led him upstairs to the bedroom and knelt down beside him by the bed. And with tears streaming down her face, She prayed one thing over and over and over again. Lord, make a man out of them. Lord, make a man out of them. You want to have godly sons? Ask the Lord to make a man out of them. A godly man. Pray for your children. And the boy never forgot that special feeling of of a mother kneeling, his own mother kneeling there in, in arms of love, weeping for him. And he come to say later, God answered that prayer. He believed that God made a man out of him. That's a goodly heritage. Susanna Wesley, the mother of Charles and John Wesley, the head of the Methodist movement. Charles wrote many of the songs that are in those book, in that hymn book right there. Spend one hour each day praying for her seventeen children. One hour every day was just praying for her seventeen children. In addition, she took each child aside a full hour each week to play soccer and Pac-Man or uh, what is it, uh, what's that, PlayStation and, uh, no. She took each child apart an hour each week to discuss spiritual matters. How much time do you spend talking to your children about the Bible, about spiritual things? no wonder charles and john wesley were used of god to bring blessing both to england and over in america and these are some of the rules that she followed i underlined certain ones cuz i thought it i thought they they meant something to me and that is to subdue self will in a child as i said you know you try to put a saddle on an unbroken horse you're going to have a you're going to have some trouble now i'm not equating to our children as horses i'm just saying when you break a horse You break His will, not His spirit. You want Him to be a horse, but you want to be able to ride Him. But He's still a horse. Your children need to learn who is an authority in the home. Break that will, not their spirit. Let them know who's in charge because they'll never know that God is the authority in their life until they realize that Mom and Dad are the authority in their life. Break that stubborn will. To me. Give a child nothing he cries for. Nothing. When he stops crying, then you feed him after two days. <laughs> Once he stops crying. You know how it is in the store. Don't you want to go over and say, stop giving him that taffy that he, he's been whining about it and screaming and pulling things off the shelves in the stores. Now, come on, you're just like me. You want him to go over there and settle that thing. Well, some of you, and never allow a, sin, a rebellious, sinful act to go unnoticed. These are just something I thought about. Now, look, I just want to give you three ladies. It won't be long at all here. But the first one is Hannah. Turn to First Samuel. I just want to give you a truth from each one of these ladies, these mothers. First Samuel. First Samuel, chapter one. I've been practicing the name of this town for a week, and I still can't say it right. Anyway, so when I stumble over it, have some grace. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim. Is that close? That's as close as I could get. Of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Eli- Elihu, the son of Tohu, uh, the son of Zulf, an Ephrathite. Well, we know who he was. All right, so we know who he is. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons' and her daughters' portions to sacrifice. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked, provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Turn over uh, to verse, look in verse 9. Verse 9, so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh. That's where the tabernacle was now, where you went to offer, make your offerings. And after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Verse 19. Verse 19. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Verse 27. She is now weaned the child. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also have I lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. You know, Hannah was a godly mother. And she kept, and she kept her promise to God. <laughs> Hannah is one of the most inspiring mothers in the Bible. Although less well known. Years of patience and prayer, she remained unable to have a child. And Hannah, in bitterness of soul, can you imagine what she felt down in her soul being mocked by Penina and maybe other women Feeling that down in her soul and bitterness of soul, she wept sore. Kind of reminds me of Jesus in the garden. In such anguish of heart she was. I want a child, Lord. And she said, if you give me a child, I'll give them back to you. Now that's a vow. And when you make a vow to God, you need to keep it. You know, and God answered her prayer and gave her a child. Let me just say this. If God wants a couple to have children, they will have children. Because nothing's impossible with God. I would say, keep praying. Lord, thy will be done. Lord, may your will be done. Take all the pressure off yourself. Put it on God. Say, if God wants me to have a child, I'll have one. Your will be done, Lord. And his name was Samuel. Look at verse 20. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come after Hannah conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel. It means asked of God. She named him after the fact that she just asked God. And finally she gets the child and all she wanted. And what does she do? She kept her vow to God. You know, that's where Hannah's character finally shone in gratitude to God. She dedicated her newborn son to the service of God. And her son would one day become one of Israel's greatest prophets, Samuel. Now the truth is, dedicate your children to God. Give them over to the service of God. Dedicate it. Dedicate them to God and mean it. Mean it with all your heart. I mean, if you don't, you don't. But if you're going to dedicate them, mean it and give them to the Lord. Samuel received a goodly heritage from a godly mother. And I'm sure he esteemed Hannah, his mother, very highly. The second one, you may know Mary. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. And in verse 16, it says this, They delivered he, him, Therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led Him away. And He bearing His cross went forth unto a place called the place of a skull. Which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. Where they crucified Him and two other with Him on either side. One and Jesus in the midst. Look at verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus His mother. And His mother's sister Mary. Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. Three Marys at the cross. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, that's John, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. After this Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. And there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Mary at the foot of the cross. Mary, a woman, a mother who showed submission to God. And let me just say, ladies, would you just give yourselves fully to the Lord? Would you give yourself in full submission to God? And whatever He wants to do in your life, let Him do it. Don't fight against God. I mean, young Mary here, uh, there's probably no more famous uh, mother than Mary because at a young age she learned from an angel that she was going to birth the Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah. Imagine the joy she must have experienced along with a thousand other different emotions. But she put herself in submission to God. Her role as a mother of Jesus brought her grief and sorrow as well as joy. Imagine what it must have been like for her at the cross. Imagine what it must have been like to look up. That was her son. Mary was the mother of Jesus. She wasn't the mother of God. God is eternal. But God robed Himself in flesh and Mary birthed Jesus. And there she's looking at her son. And she knew all this. Didn't she hide all those things in her heart for all those years? She knew who this young boy was of 12, talking to the doctors of the law. She knew what was coming. And when he left the home at 30 years old and began his ministry, finally, here she is at the cross looking at her beaten, bloody son. What grief, what sorrow. You can only imagine. But imagine the joy at the resurrection. My son's alive. He is alive today. Imagine the joy. But grief and joy are such opposites. And every mother is going to have them both. You're going to have grief, but you're also going to have joy. She passed on her faith. Mary did have at least six other children. But she passed on her faith and her trust in God also to her son, who was her savior. Jesus honored His mother at the cross when He provided for her safekeeping. What an influence she had. What a heritage to her other children. So what's the truth? A child can bring both grief and joy. Well, We know that. Well, then prepare for it. Prepare for it. How do I prepare for it then? Walk with God. Get as close to Him as possible. So when the grief comes, you know where to go. To go to the Lord for some help. Because grief is going to come. But there's going to come joy too. And finally, Jochebed. Turn to Exodus chapter 2. You're probably wondering who Jochebed is. She's the mother of Moses. Jochebed was the mother of Moses. Look at Exodus chapter 2. You know that uh, the Hebrews were starting to Increase the number and strength. And Pharaoh said, that's it. Any Hebrew male children are born, kill them. Talk about abortion. Partial birth abortion. These are children that are birthed. Kill them. Pharaoh said, get rid of them. They're getting too strong, too big. Well, Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. This is during this time period in Egypt. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. You know the story. She built a little ark and sailed away uh, little, little Moses there. And uh, Moses' sister Miriam watched the ark float down the Nile. She kept an eye on it. And uh, you know Moses also had an older brother named Aaron. Anyway, let's go down to verse 7. It says, then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it, and the child grew. And she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. So here is this mother, Jacobed, and uh, what a trusting mother she was. What a trusting mother. Look, she trusted God. She trusted that little Moses and that little ark floating down the Nile River. That takes faith. You have to ask yourself, do you really trust God? You know, we say we have faith, but do do we walk by faith? Do we really walk by faith and trust God? Jacobed had faith in God and entrusted her little baby into that ark on the Nile and she was not going to give that baby over to the world. She was not going to give that baby over to Pharaoh and let Pharaoh kill it. And mothers, you ought to be the same way. You ought to cry out, my children are not going to be gotten by the world. I'm not giving my children over to the world. I'm going to leave them a goodly, godly heritage. The world's not getting my kids. Trust them to God by your faith. Because look, Jacob's faith was rewarded because she weaned that little baby, Moses, and taught him. I don't know. It must have been a good few years. He must have been two, three, four years old by the time he went back to Pharaoh's daughter. All that time are the most formative years of a child's life. That's when a child's character is formed. Those nasty twos and all that and terrible threes, that's when his whole... Spirit and his his attitude is being formed. It's when he's testing his limits. You say, that little baby? Yeah. That little baby has a sin nature. And that's when he has to be taught that mommy's in charge and daddy's in charge. That's when their character is formed at those young ages. When Moses was given back to Pharaoh's daughter, he was already formed in his character. And he never forgot about it. You see Hebrews 11.23, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because he had a mother who believed in God, trusted God. Let me just say, that time nurturing and teaching little Moses was the foundation for his life. What's the truth? It's right there in the Bible. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And Moses didn't. Through all those years in Pharaoh's house, Moses never forgot What he had learned from mommy. I don't know how else to say it. The mother's role is absolutely crucial. Look, I could tell you about Elizabeth and Ruth, the grandmother of David, and I could tell you about the woman of Zarephath. There's a single parent, did all she could to help her son. Down to the last meal, till the prophet came along and took care of her too. She trusted in God. Look, moms, you can have an eternal influence on your children and leave them a godly heritage. Your influence in the home can be for good or bad. It's your choice. You're like the Holy Spirit. Don't ever stop trusting and praying to God, even for the children you might not have now. If God gives you children, then dedicate them to the Lord. If God gives you children, dedicate them to the Lord. Thy will be done. Remember, the Lord is with you through grief and joy in raising your family. All those emotions, God's there with you. And the fruit of all your labor is a goodly heritage for the next generation. Look, let me just give you an invitation. And that is that everyone has a mother and a father, don't they? Except one. Jesus had an earthly father, Joseph, his stepfather, But His Father was in heaven. And I just want you to know this morning, if you're a visitor here, maybe you've never heard the Gospel, Jesus' Father was God Almighty. Joseph was not His Father because the sin nature is passed through the Father. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Jesus had no sin. So what's the reason for no earthly father? Simply this, so He could die for your sins. He could die for our sins. We're sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're here today and you think you're going to get to heaven because you're a good person, you may be sincere, but you are sincerely wrong. Your sin has separated you from God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why would you leave here without knowing the love of Jesus Christ that he would go to a cross and die there for your sins? You can know him personally. The Bible says in Romans 10 that, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth on the righteousness. with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No doubt about it. Why leave here without trusting Christ as your Savior? Today's the day to be saved. Today is the day of salvation. And mothers, I just want to encourage you. Why don't you determine today to leave a goodly and godly heritage in your homes. God will honor it. God will honor your faith. Let's pray. I'd be remiss if I just didn't ask if there was someone here. Please, everyone with their heads bowed and their eyes closed. No looking around. It would be better if you'd just be in prayer. Why don't you talk to God about being a godly mom and a godly father. I just want to ask you, are you sure you're going to heaven? Are you absolutely sure? Because you're going to die. It's coming. And it's going to come unexpectedly. But today is the day of salvation. Why would you wait? This was about being a goodly and godly, giving out a goodly heritage and being a godly mother. But my friend, why would you walk away knowing that?